Good morning. Good morning. I'll begin with a chant. <clears throat> Om Namaste Sate Sarvaloka Shrayaya Namaste Chite Vishwarupatmakaya Namo Doita Tatwaya Mukti Pradaya Namo Brahmane Vyapine Nirgunaya Twame Kam Sharanyam Twame Kam Varanyam Twame kam jagatakarnam vishwarupam. Twame kam jagatakatri patri prahatri. Twame kam param nischalam nirvikalpam. Bayanam bayam. Bishanam, Bishananam, Gati Praninam, Pavanam, Pavananam, Maho Chai Padanam, Niantri Twamekam, Paresham Param, Rakshakam, Rakshakanam Paresha Prabho Sarva Rupa Prakashin Aniradesha Sarvendriya Gamya Satya Achindyakshara Vyapaka Vyapakatatva Jagadabhasakadishapayat Apayat Tade comes Maramaha Tade comes Bajamaha Tade comes Jagat Asakshi Rupam Namamaha Sade comes Nitanam Niralam Bambisham Bhavam Bhutipotam Sharanyam Brajamaha Salutations to Thee, the existence absolute, the support of all the worlds. Salutations to Thee, the intelligence absolute, who dost appear as the universe. Salutations to thee, the one reality without a second, the giver of salvation. Salutations to thee, the Brahman, the all-pervading, the absolute. Thou art the only refuge, the only object of adoration, the one cause of the universe. Thou dost manifold thyself in manifold forms. Thou alone art the creator, preserver, and destroyer of the universe. Thou art the highest, the immovable, the absolute. 
Thou art the dread of even the dreadful, the terror of the terrible, the refuge of all beings, the purifier of all purifiers. Thou alone art the ruler of even the high-placed ones. Thou art the supreme over the supreme, the protector of the protectors. O Lord Supreme, thou art the undefinable being, yet thou appearest as all things. Thou art unattainable by all the senses, yet thou art the very truth, incomprehensible and imperishable. Thou art the all-pervading, hidden essence. O Lord, illuminator of the world, do thou protect us from harm. On thee, the one alone, we meditate. To thee, the one alone, we offer our worship. To thee, the one alone, who art the witness of the universe, do we tender our salutations. In thee, the one alone, who art our sole support, the self-existence Lord, the vessel of safety in the ocean of existence, do we seek refuge. topic today is open your eyes and see him. The Chandogya Upanishad tells us all this is verily Brahman. But why don't we see God then if everything is God? Swamiji says in his God in everything talk, it is we who have put our own hands before our eyes and say that we cannot see. Something is obstructing our vision and it is this obstruction, this ignorance about the world and about ourselves that has to be removed. Our conception of the world has been based on a partial understanding, a misunderstanding. We've been seeing everything through the senses. We've based our knowledge on a false reading that we are bodies only. And we've been clinging to this idea this idea that we are only bodies is acting as an eye shield before our eyes, blocking out the light of truth from our inner vision. In truth, God is in everything. He is everything. He is both the material and the efficient cause. He is in good and bad, in life and death, Swamiji tells us. He's even in what we call evil. Swamiji says there is a utility even in evil. Sometimes a blow can awaken our compassion, our understanding, our common feeling. Suffering can deepen the response of the heart. It expands the heart. It can be a great awakener. What appears to be something very bad that happened to us may in fact be the best thing that ever happened. It may shock us. Wake us up. The Grateful Dead had a song in which they said, wake me, shake me, don't let me sleep too long. <laughs> we have to cover everything with God, the Isha Upanishad says, and see things as they really are. This may sound as though we're trying to hide something, as it were, but this really isn't the case. By practicing the presence of God, by trying to see him everywhere, we actually are only removing our own ignorance about things. 
It is the truth that we are practicing. That never changes. It's always there, and it's always here, and eventually we will wake up to it. This doesn't necessarily mean giving up all the things of this world in an external way. It means deifying the world, seeing the true nature of things behind all these external appearances. In order to see God in front of us, we have to be standing in the present moment. We're blinded. We're asleep. We're living in the past and dreaming of the future. We need to live more in the present moment. By some, this is called mindfulness. It's a state of active, open, intentional attention on the present. Realize deeply that the present moment is really all that you have. When you become mindful, you realize you're not your thoughts. You become an observer of your thoughts from moment to moment without judging them. Mindfulness involves being with your thoughts as they are, neither grasping at them nor pushing them away. Instead of letting your life go by without living it, you awaken to the experience of now. When people are mindful, they are much more likely to experience themselves as part of humanity, as part of a greater universe. We've been thinking of ourselves and of others as bodies only. We cannot understand the true nature of the universe through our senses. The senses are very limited. They go outward. Man wants to understand the whole of phenomena and to find something which includes everything else. We're so unhappy because we think of ourselves as limited. We have to go deeper and find the solution, the common solution, the innermost core of the universe, the innermost core of man himself, because the innermost core of the universe is in fact in man himself. It's in our innermost heart. The kingdom of God is within you. Here comes the old story of the musk deer. We're running around and around looking for something that is our own true nature. The musk deer searches for the sweet smell that is coming from its own navel, and it runs around and around looking for it. It's right here. We're searching everywhere outside for it. We keep thinking, if only I could do this, if only I could have that, if only things were different, if I were somewhere else or I was somebody else, then I would be happy but we're told it's here, it's now. We're dying on the banks of a huge river, Swami Vivekananda tells us. This doesn't necessarily mean giving up things in this world in, uh, in an external way. It means deifying the world, seeing the true nature that is behind everything. We've been thinking of ourselves as bodies, the senses are limited. They're turned outward. We want to find something that includes everything else. What is making us miserable? It's our own minds. It is desire, Swamiji says. If there is no desire, there's no suffering. But here comes the next question. What does giving up desire mean? 
It means, according to Swamiji, giving up the idea that I own anything. It's this idea of possessing things that's a problem that is making us miserable. If we think we possess something, then we're going to suffer. We'll always feel unfulfilled, and we'll always feel that we can lose something that we have. Swamiji says, a person does not have to give up his family or wealth. It's the idea of possessing them that he has to give up. All, in fact, belong to God. Everything is his alone. We also are his, his playmates. He is even in the desires that arise in our minds. Our bodies, too, belong only to him. If we could really see everything in this light, the world would become a place of joy, a wondrous universe where God is peeking out from behind each face, where he is shining in every object. The world would be permeated by light and by joy because, in fact, this is his very essence. What is really happening here? It's a continual worship. You can say it's the play of God, or if you choose to look at it in a more personal way, you can say God is always with us. In him we live, move, and have our being. Yes, even in the terrible, in life, in death, as the Brahma Stotra, which I chanted at the beginning, tells us, he is the terror of the terrible, the refuge of all beings. The sages tell us that knowledge of oneness is attained by merging our individual consciousness in the universal consciousness, which is hidden in our own heart. And it is the ultimate reality underlying the whole universe. The divine consciousness with which the individual consciousness merges is called the refuge because it gives the only real protection to the individual from all the miseries of the world. We need to see the oneness of life. They grope in darkness who worship this ignorant world, but he who knows the secret of nature, he crosses death, the Upanishad tells us. Swami Vivekananda says, this separation doesn't really exist. It's not real. It's apparent only on the surface. If you go beneath the surface, you will see the unity that is in the hearts of all. But how do we get there? We have to practice. Some suggest one practice is you pretend that this is the very last time you're going to experience whatever it is that you're experiencing. Have you ever been so engrossed in something that it seems like the rest of the world just disappears? Living in the moment is about getting into this state at any time. Realize that your thoughts are not necessarily the reality. In fact, the essence of reality is much deeper than words or thoughts. The mind turns back along with speech, the Upanishads say. We recognize that we have a permanent reality within us. We know we're the same person we are met, were many years ago. We have a sense of continuity of being. 
we try to see the continuity of the soul, and yet we don't see the soul. What we see are only conditions of mind or a body, and these are constantly changing. When the mind is scattered, we can't perceive ourselves as the spirit or the soul. We must quiet and concentrate the mind. Forms are continuously changing, but the real is not equivalent to the forms. Beyond these, you must be aware of yourself, untouched by them, ungoverned by them, here in the present moment. And you begin to feel that God is closer and closer to you. You become less tied to the body. The scattered mind is the gross mind. A quiet and concentrated mind is much more subtle. But what part of the mind is going to be able to meditate on God? That mind is very fine. And when your mind is quiet and concentrated, you become aware of it. Then you will begin to see the reality everywhere, which is divinity itself. God is the reality. The last time I spoke, I mentioned that we're surrounded by living symbols of God everywhere. Just watch the rising sun and your heart feels uplifted and joyful because we have all experienced this rebirth, the idea of awakening in our lives. The sun itself has been worshipped as a symbol of God throughout time because of its light and its heat, its warmth, its nourishing qualities. The famous Gayatri Matra invokes the sun. Om Bhur Bhuvaswaha Tatsavitur Varenyam Bargo Devasya Dimahi Diyo Na Prachodayat. We are surrounded by such symbols, which are called pratikas everywhere. And Swamiji tells us that the greatest of all temples is the human body itself. The Brahma Sutras tell us to meditate on the light behind the eyes of a person. Wherever we can see the face of God before us, if we go deep enough. The Atman is inseparable from Brahman. Its essence is divine, and it is the embodiment of perfection. The values of goodness, truth, beauty, are only reflections of Satchit Ananda, being consciousness bliss, what we call Brahman. And these values cannot be fulfilled in the external world, but only in the Atman, or the spirit. The concept of divinity of the human soul provides the universal solution to the problems of morality. Why should a man be moral? Because, says Vedanta, purity is the original nature of his soul. People are pure and good by nature. Why should a man love his neighbor as himself? Because it is the one supreme self that dwells in all beings, in all individual selves. Realization is the only solution to the problems of life. Owing to ignorance, man forgets his divine nature and regards himself as a separate entity, limited and bound by body and mind. Swami Vivekananda tells us, man is the best mirror of divinity 
And the purer that man, the more clear the reflection of God in him. Yoga has been classified into many different types. Whatever their differences, they all aim at one thing, the transformation of consciousness. Each man or woman has his own yoga. To convert one's whole life into yoga is the spiritual solution to life's problems. One must have faith in one's own higher self and courage to face the world alone and remain as the Atman radiating the inner light. Swamiji says, quote, In you is all perfection, and all the three worlds will be at your feet when you know this. Spirit alone triumphs, not matter. Satyam eva jayate. When you can live in the depths of the present moment without regretting the past or worrying about the future, then you're content. The joy of the Atman is always with us. It can be released at any time, breaking down the barriers of desire and fear which we have built around it. Some say grateful attention is the key to joy. Gratefulness encompasses more than thankfulness. Definitions vary, but most include the idea of being present in the moment, the full response to a given moment and all it contains. Careful attention to the moment. Pay attention to every aspect of what you're doing, to your body, the sensations, your thoughts, even your breath, and you will find that you're becoming more and more quiet inside. Why does this bring joy? Because God is behind everything that we experience and see before us. Everything in this world is made up of sat chit and nama rupa, that is, Brahman itself, and name and form covering it. If we look behind the names and forms, we will find the face of God, the source of all joy. I told you before about the beautiful expression that Swami Ashokananda used in one of his Isha Upanishads classes. He said, you should roll up the sky like a scroll and see the white brilliance of the face of God. Everything that we see before us is the face of God, covered by name and form. We need to roll up the scroll of illusion that covers what we see. Take our hands off our eyes and see the light behind, the face of the living God. Anywhere, if you dig long enough and go deep enough, you will find water. But there's some places where water is just naturally easily accessible, in lakes or rivers or oceans. It's right there. So it is with holy men and women. Brahman shines in their faces and is readily available. In some places, called holy tirtas or places of worship, God seems to be more easily experienced or seen. The covering over the face of God seems to be thinner in these places, and one just has to reach out their hand to touch him. He's there in all beings, 
but we can access him more readily in the holy. We can see him shining in the face of an illumined soul. If we visit holy places where many holy people have worshipped, we find it easy to remember God and to worship him. Swami Prabhavananda used to say, spirituality is not taught, it's caught. When Swami Vivekananda used to meditate at night in his later days, his room would be filled with the light that emanated from his body. People have said as time went on, Swamiji looked as if he was just an excuse for infinite light. As if behind him there was an infinite light. People used to feel it. They could see it. Swami Ashokananda tells us, you are that infinite light. You don't depend on this body or mind for this light to shine. God does not depend on anything. He is his own support. Our self is like that. We don't depend on anything. If we try, we can remove the obstructions and this inner light will shine. Sometimes it will find expression even on the outside. Remove your hands from your eyes and see him. One of our senior swamis once gave this advice to a student. Act as though you see the Atman in all beings. Imagine that you do see it shining there, behind each face, in every form. Try to see the consciousness that is behind this whole universe. Make this your practice, and in the end you will realize it, because it is the truth. If you go deep enough, the means will become the end, because in essence, they are not different. Swami Vivekananda tells us, a person is identified with his conviction. He asks us to fill the mind with our highest thoughts, hear them day after day, think of them month after month. These ideas will invigorate us and fill us with strength, for it is thought that is the impelling force in us, the Upanishads tell us. Write it on your heart that every day is the best day in your life. It was Emerson who said this. Be thankful for it. And Thoreau said, you have to live in the present. Launch yourself on every wave. Find your eternity in every moment. Be here now and see God. Swamiji tells us, first we have to have that ideal, and we must never lower it. We have to try to dwell in it all the time, and we have to keep it alive in us. Try to see the consciousness that is behind all this universe. Make this your practice. As we've already seen, a person is identified with his conviction, and Swamiji asks us to fill the mind with these highest thoughts and hear them again and again. We need to penetrate deeply into all that is around us to see the reality. And Swami Vivekananda says, we can do this. You love nature? Go out and look deeply into it. See what it really is. See God worshiping himself in the flowers in the mountain, in the stillness of a sunrise.
penetrate deeply and see what is behind all phenomena, take your time, Swami Vivekananda tells us, and you will achieve your end. One name of God is Sundara, the beautiful. There is a practice of looking at the whole universe and saying, this is the form of God. This is the infinite God, the universal form. And there's also an experience that is something like that. The experience of God as virat. Virat is a Sanskrit term that means the vast. The vast universe, the infinite universe, the one being. All the stars, the planets, trees, men, birds, and beasts, all together are the form of God. All together they are that one form of this infinite being. You think of him as this universe, and you also think of him as beyond all these forms. John Muir, the great naturalist, tells us, Climb the mountains and get their good tidings. Nature's peace will flow into you as sunshine flows into the trees. The wind will blow their freshness unto you and the storms their energy, while cares will drop away from you like leaves of autumn. Let your attention go deeper. You can practice thinking of him as existing behind this infinite, this finite form. You can practice it by seeing it behind the infinite form, this universal form. Or look at just one person and try to reach the being behind, the one spiritual divine being that is in this form. Go deeper and deeper. Thinkers have noticed the interrelationship between mind and the knowledge of reality. They advise concentration of mind to refine it. To the extent that we are successful in refining the mind, to that extent the outside will reveal itself to us. We're continually fighting against this world if we become strong and can concentrate our minds. This concentration and attention can bring knowledge or an expansion, an explanation of something which seems mysterious to us now. Everything we see or do has consciousness behind it. There is one practice called the Atmajnana method. Here we try to see the whole universe as part of ourselves, our own existence. We can never really say, this object exists. We have to say, I perceive that this object exists. Whatever we perceive is perceived in consciousness, in our own Atman or the self. Teachers tell us that consciousness is not contained within the body. The body is contained within consciousness. Think about this statement. What does it mean for us? 
we're trying to see behind our false reading of reality. Even the thought, I have a body, is contained in my own consciousness. If we're able to step back from our own minds, even this much, we gain tremendous freedom. Ramana Maharshi used the method of asking, who am I? Who is it that sees this and experiences all this? And through this path, he realized the truth, and the truth never left him. Once Swamiji was talking to a group of monastics, and he said, and where will you go to seek Brahman? He is eminent in all beings, here. Here is the visible Brahman. Shame on those who, disregarding the visible Brahman, set their minds on other things. Here is the Brahman before you, as tangible as a fruit in your hand. Can't you see? Here, here, here is the Brahman. He spoke these words in such a way that everyone there went into a meditative state. They stood still and quiet. Swami Premananda was on his way to the chapel to do worship after his bath in the Ganga. When he heard these words of Swamiji, he fell into an ecstatic state and became motionless. After a quarter of an hour, Swamiji said to him, now go for worship. Swami Ashokananda writes, yes, everything is God and not less than God anywhere. Everything is Brahman. Everything is spirit. You can reach a state in which you look at all things with these very eyes and you see something different from what you ordinarily see. The sense forms stand aside and the true reality, the spiritual reality, which everything is, becomes at once self-evident, directly perceived. You will say, you mean to say, if I change my ideas about a person, then instead of seeing that person, I shall begin to see God? That is exactly what I mean, he says. It can be done. It has to be done. Beyond this body, beyond this mind, there is an unlimited consciousness. If I cannot give any limit to this consciousness, then it becomes the infinite conscious being. Form is made up of body and mind, but beyond this form is the real being, and that real being is the divine being. He goes on to say, when we have some understanding, we will see that in men and women is God himself. But afterward, we know that there are no people at all. It's always God who is blinking through these eyes. We, in our ignorance, interpose a third entity called man, bird, or beast, and we say, the Lord dwells in this being. That also is our ignorance. However, you can start with that. Throughout the course of whatever work you do, remind yourself it's being done for the Lord and by the Lord. Once Swami Vivekananda said, it is God who speaks. It is God who listens. God is the speaker. 
he is seated in this instrument, and from here he produces these words. And the Lord himself, seated out there, receives these words through all these ears, and he hears them. Where is there any person to hear? You see, everything can be thereby transformed. It's a very fruitful practice. Imagination is a powerful thing. If you imagine something which is real, then imagination becomes very effective. It is real that God is the only being that exists. It is he who is before us in all these forms. And therefore, if I think I'm speaking to God, I shall be. It's not just imagination, I, and I shall eventually come to the truth. I shall actually feel that it is the Lord himself speaking and the Lord himself hearing. To know the one is knowledge. If you like to think that everything is done for the Lord and by the Lord, you will arrive at a place where you're living in the present. This is another great theme in Vedanta, the oneness of life, the oneness of everything beyond space, beyond time. We shall see how it demonstrates that all our misery comes through ignorance. And this ignorance is the idea of manifoldness, the separation between man and man, between nation and nation, between earth, moon, sun, stars. Out of this idea between the separation of atoms and atoms come all misery. But the Vedanta says, this separation does not really exist. It is only apparent on the surface. In the heart of things, there is unity still. You will find that the real is that which is lasting and permanent. And the unreal, the unchanging, is impermanent. You will find that all worldly things are unreal and changing, and the spiritual things are real. Spirit is real, unchanging reality. Atman is real, Brahman is real. The world is unreal, the body, mind, these are unreal. Discriminate between the real and the unreal. Satya, asatya, vastu, viveka. As Sri Ramakrishna says, God alone is real. All else is unreal. This is the essence of the Upanishads. It is very simple. Finding God in all things is also at the core of Ignatius' spirituality, and it's rooted in the growing awareness that God can be found in everyone, in every place, in everything. It is thought that when we learn to pay more attention to God, we become more thankful and reverent. And through practice, we will become more devoted to God. According to Vedanta, as you discriminate more, you will find that nothing that comes from the impermanent can touch you anymore. You begin to wake up to the truth that is all around you. A new vision opens to you and you see. The ordinary vision is transformed. 
you're no longer attracted to the unreal or attached to it. Dispassion comes to you. You step back. Your whole being becomes unified and you turn inward. The sense of sense objects, they lose their whole hold over you. When you bring the senses under control, you thereby bring a great many parts of your thoughts under control. Many of them become actually nullified. They no longer have any value for you and they don't agitate your mind. The mind becomes calm and interior. The mind is awake. It's very much awake. You become aware of a higher reality within yourself. You see yourself as spirit, and you see others as spirit also. You begin to feel like you don't have to do anything. In fact, God is doing everything. Sri Ramakrishna said, I am the machine and you are the operator. True devotion is to remain as one really is in the state of being in which all ideas about relationships with God have ceased to exist. This is uniting oneself with the will of God or with God himself. There should be a constant awareness that there's no individual I who acts or desires, that only the self exists. There's nothing apart from the self that is capable of acting independently of it. I tell you, there is a love that is much higher than any love on a sense level, higher even than puja or worship, a divine love that can transform our lives and lift us up from bodily awareness and set us free. Sri Ramakrishna said, I have come to the stage of realization in which I see that God is walking in every human form, manifesting himself alike through the sage, through the sinner, through the virtuous and the vicious. Therefore, when I meet different people, I say to myself, God in the form of the saint, God in the form of the sinner, God in the form of the righteous, God in the form of the unrighteous. The Bhagavad Gita tells us the illumined soul, whose heart is Brahman's heart, thinks always, I am doing nothing. No matter what he sees, hears, touches, smells, eats. No matter whether he's moving, sleeping, breathing, speaking, grasping something with his hand, opening or closing his eyes, he knows, I am not seeing, I am not hearing. It is the senses that see and hear and touch things of the senses. He puts aside desire, offering the act to Brahman. The lotus leaf rests unwetted on the water. He rests on action, untouched by action. One who has gained an advanced state of spirituality actually perceives everyone as spirit. Whether he talks, whether he walks, whether he meditates, he is aware of this one existence, one blessed spirit everywhere, one real being. There's nothing else. That alone exists. He becomes aware of it. His eyes are open and he sees God before him. Swamiji says, he is the great poet 
The ancient poet and the whole universe is his poem, coming in verses and rhymes and rhythms, written in infinite bliss. When we have given up desires, then alone we shall be able to read and enjoy this universe of God. Then everything will become deified. So work, says Vedanta, putting God in everything and knowing him to be in everything. Work incessantly, holding life as something deified, as God himself, and knowing that this is all that we have to do. This is all we should ask for. God is in everything. Where else can we go to find him? He's in every work, in every thought, in every feeling, thus knowing we have to work. This is the only way. There is no other way. He, the one who vibrates more quickly than mind, who attains to more speed than mind, whom even the gods cannot reach nor thought grasp, he moving, everything moves. In him all exists. He is moving, he is also immovable. He's near, he's far. He's inside of everything. He's outside of everything interpenetrating everything, who sees in every being that same Atman and who sees in everything in that Atman. He never goes far from Atman. When all life and the whole universe are seen in this Atman, then alone a man has attained the secret. There's no more delusion for him. Where is any more misery for him who sees oneness in the universe? In him we live, move, and have our being. The Isha Upanishad tells us, an illusion is covering the face of truth. Our prayer always is that this golden illusion, this alluring maya, may be removed so that we can see the face of God everywhere. The Gayatri Mantra is simply another form of this same prayer. Do thou guide our understanding. This is the prayer that comes from the heart of all sincere seekers after God, and it is this yearning, this prayer for God or enlightenment, for truth, that leads one to realization. The truth is already there within us. The truth is always shining everywhere around us. May we know that truth. In the Isha Upanishad, there's a prayer for the vision of God. This beautiful prayer is addressed to the sun, and it says, Hiranyamayena patrena satyasya pihitam mukam tatvam pushanapavarnu satyadharmaya drishate Pushane karshe yamasurya prajapatya vyuharasmin samuha tejoyate rupam kayantamam tate pashami yoso aso purusha soham asmi like a lid, 
Thy shining golden orb covers the entrance to the truth in thee. Remove it, O sun, so that I who am devoted to the true may behold that. O sun, the offspring of Prajapati, thou lonely courser of the heavens, thou controller and support of all, contract thy rays, withdraw thy light. Through thy grace, I behold the most blessed form of thine. I am indeed he, that being who dwells there. <laughs> 